17th Sunday in Ordinary Time Prayer Psalm 145 All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your faithful shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, satisfying the desire of every living thing. The Lord is just in all his ways, and kind in all his doings. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Reading the Word First reading, 2 Kings chapter 4. A man came from Balshalisha, bringing food from the first fruits to the man of God, twenty loaves of barley and fresh ears of grain in his sack. Elisha said, Give it to the people and let them eat. But his servant said, how can I set this before a hundred people? So he repeated, Give it to the people and let them eat. For thus says the Lord, They shall eat and have some left. He set it before them. They ate and had some left according to the word of the Lord. Second reading. Ephesians chapter 4 I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Gospel, John chapter 6. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up to the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover the festival of the Jews was near. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Six months' wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, 
Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about five thousand in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, he told his disciples, Gather up the fragments left over, so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled twelve baskets. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. When Jesus realized they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Hearing the word of God, nourishing one another. For the next five Sundays, the liturgy of the word will follow a sequence of readings based on the bread of life discourse contained in the Gospel of John chapter 6. The unifying focus of this part of the liturgical year is Jesus sustaining the life of believers through special nourishment. We begin the sequence with today's theme of nourishing one another. The first reading narrates a brief but very significant episode from the life of the prophet Elisha. A certain farmer brought barley loaves and some grain to a small town sanctuary as the first fruits offering. Such offerings were an expression of gratitude to God for the blessing of the harvest. First fruits offerings were placed before God in the sanctuary and later consumed by the priests or prophets who served there. Elisha received the offerings, but instead of blessing them before God, he commanded that they be given as food to the worshippers. His decision must have been shocking to many, because the bread and the grain rightfully belonged to God and to God alone. Not surprisingly, one of the attendants objected. However, Elisha insisted, and the food was handed to the crowd of 100 people. Miraculously, they were fed to satisfaction with a relatively small amount of food. The story emphasizes that this diversion of offerings to feed the people was not Elisha's arbitrary decision. When commanding the food of the people, the prophet spoke in God's name, quoting the scripture passage, They shall eat 
and have some left. Thus, it was God, acting through the prophet, who showed concern for the people in need of bodily nourishment. This miracle reveals God's attention to and concern for the people who were gathered at the sanctuary with the genuine intention of worshipping God. The needs of the worshippers held priority over cultic practice. The passage from the letter to the Ephesians contains an urgent appeal from the Apostle Paul locked up in prison. The Ephesians accepted the Christian faith through Paul who suffered captivity because of his apostleship. This situation makes his plea all the more urgent. Even in prison, he is concerned about the moral life of the community. As Christians, the Ephesians received a special calling from God. With it came the responsibility to wholeheartedly respond to the grace of faith. As believers, they were incorporated into the church. But the church is not merely a gathering of individuals. It is the body of Christ, a mystically and living organism, best described through the concept of oneness. Thus Christians are a part of one body, sharing communion in it with the Spirit, with the Lord Jesus, and with God himself. Believers are incorporated into this body by one baptism and remain in it through one faith they share. They also share one and the same hope of eternal life in God's presence. Membership in this extraordinary community is a privilege beyond compare. However, this privilege carries certain responsibilities. The members of this body have the duty to nourish other members by right attitudes and behavior. Paul identifies and names five essential relational virtues through which church members ought to sustain one another. Humility ensures that one member does not dominate or impose on others. Gentleness keeps them considerate and mindful of the other's needs. Patience and forbearance reflect the kind of understanding and acceptance which prevents friction and tensions from escalating into full-blown conflicts. Finally, love seals all community bonds through empowering and fostering other lives in every area and in every possible way. These five virtues sustain the unity of the community. They are the means of nourishing and sustaining the members in the faithful enactment of their Christian calling.
The bread of life discourse in John chapter 6 is a complex composition containing ideas and teachings that have significant implications for Christian life. The discourse begins with the miraculous feeding of the multitude. This story functions as the starting point for the entire discourse in two major ways. Firstly, providing bodily nourishment for the hungry crowd. Jesus acts in a manner consistent with God's actions in the Old Testament. There, the feeding occurs in the context of the Passover feast and the feast of the unleavened bread. These two Israelite feasts commemorated Exodus from Egypt and entry into the promised land. Starting with the Passover in Egypt, through the gift of manna in the desert, and ending with the gift of the land, where the Israelites lived off the bounty of the promised land, God fed and sustained his people. Feeding the crowd from the mountain, Jesus will act in a godlike manner, providing food for the crowd. Secondly, the story makes it obvious that food provision is not Jesus' chief concern. There is one indication that the crowd is, in fact, hungry. Jesus himself takes the initiative, asking Philip where to buy food to feed the crowd. Philip responds, thinking not about where, but with what, to buy the bread needed. In response, Jesus performs the miracle in a Eucharistic fashion, first blessing and then breaking the bread. Unlike the Synoptic Gospels, where the disciples distribute the bread and the fish, Jesus feeds the people directly. He is both the source and the giver of food. The disciples' task is limited to gathering up what remained after the people had finished eating. The twelve baskets of leftovers are symbolic in number, suggesting a community of believers created by Jesus' action. The crowds, like Philip, misunderstand Jesus and his intentions. First, they identify Jesus as a Moses-like prophet, citing Deuteronomy chapter 18. The Lord your God will rise up for you a prophet like me. Subsequently, they attempt to make Jesus a king. They think Jesus is one of the Old Testament prophets and kings who provided for the people. Jesus refuses to accept these honors. He flees from the crowd because his intentions are far beyond what the crowd and the disciples can comprehend at the moment. While Jesus did feed the crowd, a careful reader anticipates that his feeding is only a prelude to something different 
and far greater. Nourishment for the body is a basic concern for every human being. God provided the Israelites with nourishment on various occasions, as we will hear in the first readings of the next four Sundays. In today's first reading, God placed the needs of the people before cultic duties, offering hungry worshippers food through the prophet Elisha. But God's concerns stretch far beyond bodily nourishment. In the letter to the Ephesians, Paul discusses the nourishments necessary to sustain the church. The Christian community finds nourishment through the virtuous lives of its members as they sustain one another by acts of care and kindness. Nourishing one another is an essential dimension of Christian life. Jesus provided food for the crowd gathered about him. He sustained their bodies, but his intentions stretched far beyond supplying bread and fish. Bodily nourishment is only a prelude to an even more significant sustenance provided by God through his Son, the nourishment leading to eternal life. Longing for this kind of nourishment is well reflected in the words of the Psalms. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. Listening to the Word of God Today's readings emphasize that God, who created life, continually sustains it. The sustenance of the life by God is not something that God will not do only here on earth. He will continue to do so beyond this life. God's ultimate concern is to nourish his faithful so that they may share eternally in the life brought through his son Jesus Christ. The readings make it clear that God takes an initiative in providing for his people. God sees our needs even when these needs are not yet entirely clear to us. He cares for us before we have even asked for help. A clear sign that he is always interested in our affairs. This shows us that God's care for us is constant and profound. It happens that sometimes as we are preoccupied with our needs and how these needs can be met, we suddenly discover that our needs have already been taken care of. This is how the grace of God operates. It is given even before we ask for it. We are told that the people in the story of Elisha and those fed by Jesus were able to eat until they had had enough, even though the food available initially was scarcely enough. This teaches us that the scarcity of our means, be it material resources in our possession, or even our own gifts and talents, do not prevent us from experiencing God's bounty. This grace that God gives 
does not just take care of our immediate needs and then finish. It continues to accompany us in all our needs, helps us to face every challenge and any difficult situation or condition we come across in life. The love and grace of God is never depleted and his gift of grace never runs out. When we receive the grace of God in our lives and we become one with Christ, we become a new creation and our way of life also changes. The life of communion with Christ is a transforming experience. When we experience loving grace, we give out love because the grace of God is in us and works in us. This experience of God's grace itself humbles us because in many instances we are wise enough to know that we do not even deserve the loving care and attention that we currently receive from God. Yet in all this, just as food nourishes and gives us energy to continue our daily activities, so does the loving care of God. It transforms us, nourishes us, and gives us the strength to continue our Christian journey so that we do not despair or become weary. This experience of God's bounty obliges us to transmit this bounty to others. Even as we experience the limits of our capacities and means, there are those gifts of God that we carry within us that cannot be measured in any material terms. Thus, we can nourish one another and share God's bounty out of the riches of our faith, kindness, wisdom, and knowledge. A good word and an encouraging thought may well be more significant than material gifts. Our African society today has become very materialistic and the old values of sharing one's time and wisdom have been replaced by a focus on material, money-based gifts. This is most undesirable because it reduces us to a hungry crowd looking for Jesus only so that he can feed us with bread. As Christians, we must represent and teach that the true gift lies beyond what we can consume or amuse ourselves with. God's true gifts are found deep in our spirits and in our relationship to our brothers and sisters. The horse that has no tail, it is God himself who drives away the flies that disturb the sleep. Action. Self-examination. What are my personal gifts which I share with others? Have I faced situations and conditions in life that made me doubt God's providence? Response to God. From now on, I will trust more in God and let myself be directed by His grace.
trusting that it is sufficient for me. Response to your world. I will identify and carry out an action aimed at nourishing somebody's spirit and life in a meaningful way. In our meeting, we will share experiences of God's providence and care that we have and in our recent past. Dear Lord, make me know your path and the way your grace works in my life, sustaining and guiding me on the path to the eternal life that you have prepared for me. May I use your gifts not for any selfish gain, but for the growth of all those that I encounter. Amen. Amen.